you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. The Around the NFL podcast is sheepish about their bangers. <laughs> Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast presented by Sirius XM. My name is Dan Hansis. I'm joined in a room filled with heroes. Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What is up, boys? Hey, Dan. Feeling fresh right now. You know, we've done this show a lot, this podcast. This is going to be our seventh season together. Mm. A lot of episodes. So whenever we can break out something a little different, a little new, and put a little spin on one of my favorite shows of the year, it just, you know, it makes you feel a little more alive, a little less dead inside. Well put, Greg. We Every year we like to do a, uh, a double episode banger around the AFC in 48 minutes, around the NFC in 48 minutes. Well, we took a look at the calendar and what we wanted to hit before the season started, and we said, you know, the lightning bulb. Or is it the light bulb? The light bulb goes light over bulb. the head. Always a weird thing. Lower level idea. Yeah. and My dog, Mark, with a C. Let's combine both conferences in one supersized show. So not only are you going to get all 32 teams, you're going to get probably about a 70-minute banger. And I'll, I'll tell you this. We're going around the NFL in 63 minutes. 63. So 63 that's... 63 minutes. Two minutes per team would be 64. Right. And it's not a math error by the old Zeuser. I know that's your first thought. <laughs> we have decided... Erica, who, as we know, is growing an in influence behind the scenes in NFL media. It's only time, a matter of time before she sits us down. And she's like, guys, this is so hard. I was really <laughs> dreading having this conversation, but I got to move on. That's a good uh, Rick, Rick Halliday. <laughs> Two weeks from now. It's pretty good. We're not there yet. Uh, but what we need to do to have any chance of holding on to Erica is to give her more pop, more power within the structure here. Uh, so what we decided and Erica agreed to was, she gets the control. There will be one team out of the 32. We don't know which one it will be uh, that Erica gets to step in and, and cut it in half, essentially, and give that team just 60 seconds. Ooh. Uh, Erica, that's that's what we're doing. Yeah, I think that's that's a really great idea by me. I think it'll be really fun. <laughs> and I'm really thankful to you guys for giving me this you know, sense of responsibility. Right before the show, Greg asked me to drag in a refrigerator for him. So... <laughs> Uh, things are going well over here. Well, th- it's something a, a, a good producer would just do. I mean, they would just... Weeks ago, this would have been... The done. fridge has been outside of the producer. I'm not know, a utility the, man, she's Greg. She's not an intern. Yeah. She's a producer. doesn't matter. Like, I'm telling you, you think you think they're showing up to football night in America and the producers are letting the fridge just sit out in the hallway for a week? The producers are bringing it. Someone's problem solved. Yeah, and Greg, by the way, is not the one who should be pulling the refrigerator into the room. Greg is... I, I don't even mind. He's also a very it's, small frame. I'm not sure even move the thing. Right, exactly. Can I mediate this, honestly? Please. Uh, Erica, obviously, uh, and what kind of gentleman would we be if we were asking Erica to lug in the refrigerator? We'd be we'll, who we we'll are. We'll bring it in. I, That's we just we need to, to but, figure no, out no, what's I going mean, on. You know, we're talent. We're not lugging it in. <laughs> 
Erica is going to um, pick up the phone and have someone help her with the refrigerator. Exactly. I, I don't, it doesn't matter what's done. How about that, Rick? Producer that's great. Problem. But also, Greg on air was like, well, if you were a good producer, you're calling me a bad producer? <laughs> that was like, you produce your own show, Greg. I, I mean, can we revisit the common man rankings after this discussion? <laughs> Please. Uh, Ricky, that was very fair. Greg, that was unfair. And I think you should apologize before we get I, I didn't. I agree with that. You are a great producer, Erica. I'm just... You know, trying to we make know you bad producer. Erica's greater. not one of them. Yeah. yeah, I'm your producer. I'm your friend. I'm your therapist. I'm everything for all you guys, and I don't get appreciated You're enough. Easily in the top two to three producers of the twelve that we've had on this show, and you you're climbing right to the top. I mean, Greg continues to be forcefully out of bounds uh, with everything <laughs> that rolls out of his mouth. Just rolls. All right. I don't know what we accomplished there. Uh, but we're down to 58 minutes. <laughs> Something yes. diva. Again, we're going around the NFL in 63 minutes. And yes, Erica has the power to chop one team in half. We'll find out who that will be. Uh, so we're going to start with the NFC. Uh, and we'll start in the East. And as a reminder, um, Greg, we will get two minutes for each team. You'll get a you'll get a little bit of a sound. Do you have that, Ricky? When we're at thirty seconds to play, mm, I like that. And then another tone when it's, <laughs> and then another tone when it's time to move on. Okay, and don't and do not go over the time because Erica has all the power to step in again. This is a very big show for Ricky, uh, and let you know that you have you are gone over and you're not respecting the game. You're saying so not even in this this business which has happened every other year like finish your winding long sentence. Right. You're not yeah. finished. Your sentence is over. It's At, over. Where, we where move on. It's over. And and I feel for for the team the fans out there that only get that one minute. You know what I mean? That that's kind of like an anvil hanging over this entire show. Well, yes. it's probably going to be one of yours based on your behavior towards Erica <laughs> up through the where we are at this point. <laughs> All right, let's get into it. Starting in the NFC East, and Greg, why don't you get us going? New York Giants. <laughs> so much focus on the offense in New York and the quarterback position, but I look at this defense and I wonder: Is this the most talent poor? defense in the entire NFC? Is it is it in that class? And if they're going to have any chance, I think they need to have Janoris Jenkins to have a revitalized se- season and DeAndre Baker, their first-round pick, who's had a good camp, to play well. If the two of them play well at cornerback, maybe this team has a chance. How did... Uh, Dave Gettleman, of course, he's the GM under fire in, in the Meadowlands. The guy that was all about the hog mollies uh, with the Panthers... How and the Giants have such a proud history on their and their front seven of getting pressure. It's how they won Super Bowls in the Eli era. How has it gotten to this point? I think he'd answer. They like their defensive line. You know, they drafted Dexter Lawrence in the first round. They have Dalvin Tomlinson. They have BJ Hill. These are some high drafted guys. We got to see them actually produce, and that's why, with, for all the focus on the quarterbacks. They're just in a bad spot. How are you going to keep up with the 28th, 30th ranked defense in the league with those two guys? I mean, it's safety. You've essentially, you know, it's not exactly, they don't play exactly the same position, but Landon Collins out, Jabril Peppers in. I think that's a downgrade. You gave, gave away Snacks Harrison some time ago. I mean, that part the Gettleman project still is very much um, underway on defense. If the offense we could feel a little bit excitement about, if Daniel Jones clicks defense, no. Well, like you said, they got rid of all their veterans. They didn't want to pay them. Um, and now 
in order to turn this around, all these young guys have to they have to be hits. Mm. I, I also want to ask, what do you guys think the margin for error is for Eli? Because I think Daniel Jones, since he played so well in the preseason, I feel like it's two games. I feel like we could see, if they were 0-2, I feel like we could see Daniel Jones week three. They have a pretty easy schedule early, but any time they get two games under, I think Eli's Isn't out. that what Pat Shermer wants, to play Daniel Jones as soon as possible? I think Eli gets September. That would be my guess. I used to think it would be Halloween, but I really do. I agree that that preseason opens some eyes, I think, on that organization. I want his last start to be Pat's week six. Chris Wessling, the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, let me check my notes. <laughs> oh, oh, no. Clock is ticking. Welcome to the Around the NFL podcast, Chris Wessling. This new wave of play callers we've seen in the NFL over the last you know five or so years, one of the things we've noticed is that running backs used to be tasked with creating their own space. That's what a running back did. That's what a three-down back did. Running backs now, the play caller creates space for them. That's what the best ones do. And I think you see in Dallas one of the reasons why there's no rush to get Ezekiel Elliott back in is that Tony Pollard is exactly the kind of running back you can create space for Mm. and he'll take advantage of it. He needs a play caller to create that space for him. We've seen it in preseason action. We've also seen Alfred Morris average 4.8 yards per carry on 115 uh, rushes with the Cowboys in 2017. So to me... All this attention on Zeke, they have the offensive line, and with Kellen Moore now as the play caller, they have the play caller to still be a success on offense. I feel like Tony Pollard, if you were to line up the players that are new that excited you the most in, on game pass preseason, for me, Tony Pollard is top 10, top 5, mm. and Kellen Moore, pairing him with him, the, I'd like this situation He's a in lot your coordinator in wheelhouse. I feel like yep. Kellen Michael Moore Gallup is too. Type of guy. Michael Gallup. I can't help but think about... Emmett Smith back in what was it ninety five when he disappeared for two games. Ninety three, uh, Cowboys lost both games. He comes back and they win the Super Bowl anyway. Um, I, I mean, yeah, I guess they're set up well. Are we having this conversation now? Has it gotten to this point where we think that Zeke Elliott is not going to be here week one? I think he'll be there in the end. Keep an eye on uh, Xavier Rhodes. Their free safety. A lot of people around them think they need some people to Xavier step Woods? up. Uh, Xavier Woods, rather. Uh, to have a kind of a breakout season. And they need it because Byron Jones just coming off a hip injury, barely practiced. Maybe he plays week one. Demarcus Lawrence coming off injury. I'd be a little worried the defense comes back to the pack. I hope Jared didn't poison that stream with some of his glib comments in the media. Get, just get the job done. Washington Redskins, old Zeuser. Hey, what defines success for the 2019 Redskins? And if success means eight or nine wins in progress from rookie Dwayne Haskins whenever he gets in the starting lineup... Is that enough to save Jay Gruden's job? What kind of line is Jay Gruden working with here? And what a success for the Redskins. I think it might be, but it has to be the narrative must drive that Jay Gruden is the reason that Dwayne Haskins is having success. And this Jay Gruden offense is the reason. And I'm not sure after all the years we've had of him that that's, that's going to hmm. take a lot. If he wins eight or nine games, I might vote him for coach of the year. I mean, with that this roster? is a lousy, this isn't a good team. But with that ownership group yeah, and all the years he's been there and has never um, won a playoff game, or been to the playoffs? Have they been to the playoffs? Yeah, they have. Okay, but they haven't won a playoff game this fifth year. I don't even know if that will be enough. You're right. You might be right. I he's think he's actually spot. done a good job with in a in a in one of the most difficult jobs in the NFL. Uh, but it's not going to get any easier. I wonder if he – does he have the juice to make a desperate type trade with Trent Williams where he maybe tries to get A.J. Green back or maybe one well, of those Bengals players he used to be with? Considering their free agency involved doing everything without consulting their head coach, I would, <laughs> yeah, I would guess the, he doesn't have much. Yeah, seems to be powerless. To me, the su- measure of success is, are, do you have enough young players? 
players who can compromise, who can comprise a nucleus by the end of the year because they don't have an offensive nucleus. And I know that everybody's going wild over Darius Geis. Y'all must have watched a different runner than I saw last week. I didn't. He, he lacked any explosion whatsoever, and I, I just wasn't impressed. I think he need, he's going to need more time to become what they want, but I kind of like some of their de- their defense. Their front seven has some young players that I can get behind. It's not a terrible defense. They, they haven't, I don't think, been coached very well on that side of the ball. But they, you're right about having guys to build around on offense. Josh Dotson, it sounds like, won't even make the team. Maybe wow. traded in the next Killer game. use of y'all there, Wes. And who starts first, Haskins or Jones in New York? Jones. Jones. All right. Let's move on. Mark Sessler, the Philadelphia Eagles. All right. On this show, I've talked about the Eagles starting 6-0. I ex- also expect them to win the division without too much flack. If my haughty predictions are gonna, destined to go south, it's because A, Mark is vastly underrating the Cowboys. B, Doug Peterson isn't the same guy without Frank Reich and will be exposed. C, Carson Wentz won't live up to the MVP hype. Or D, none of the above. The Eagles are the class of the NFC. GC, Mark. <laughs> GC standing for... Good call. I mean, you- we know Mark's writing out his intros when Hottie gets in. <laughs> <laughs> Is there some highlighter over there? No. Um, so you're you're saying you're on the train, leading the train that the Eagles are going to be good this year. I'm just saying, what's their weakness? I sort of asked, like, one of these things don't happen. Carson Wentz is not an MVP. Doug Peterson is not the coach we think, you know... I'm totally underrating the rest of the division or the Cowboys. I'm with you. I would pick the Eagles to win this division and all, for all the reasons that you're saying. I'm... I guess there's a little bit, a little bit of nerves um, about Carson Wentz after two straight years ending on the IR, and we've talked about it at length in recent weeks about their depth chart behind him. Um, there's no Nick Foles as a backup plan. But yeah, it just seems like this team is really well set up. Deshaun Jackson's been another subject of controversy on this show. Greg thinks he's going to be a game-breaker. Wes thinks he's over the hill. Uh, that will be something uh, to watch. No, that's more of a fantasy thing. I just like It's unexciting <laughs> to draft a guy who gets 800 yards and four touchdowns. That's fair. They, I, I think we all kind of almost agreed which is rare on this show, fairly early in the offseason. This might be the best roster in the NFL. And now it's like we've gotten, we said that for three or four months and we're sick of everyone now agree, you know, says that too and is picking them to the Super Bowl. But just because we've been saying it for a while doesn't mean it's not true. I mean, they, they should be among, if not the favorites in the NFC. Well coached, great roster, franchise quarterback. A lot of guys coming back from injury, if you had to pick one thing. You know, McLeod, uh, Brandon Brooks, Jason Peters. Fletcher Cox. There, there's quite a few. Need, need them to stay healthy. The NFC North. Minnesota Vikings. Kirk Cousins, debut season with the Vikings. Generally remembered as a bust. Let me tell you some things. 16 starts, fourth straight, with, fourth straight year without missing a game. 70.1% completion percentage, career best. 4,300 yards, second best. 30 TDs, career best. 10 interceptions, fewest in his four years as a starter. 100 passer rating, his second best. I, I, you know what? Counting numbers, blah, blah, blah. But I believe all of this is sustainable. Uh, Dalvin Cook's healthy, and there's no reason... Why the Vikings can't have the best offense in football this season? Who disagrees? What? Why not? Tell me why they can't. They don't have Patrick Mahomes or Tyreek Hill. But they do have Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs and Cousins, who's a numbers monster, and Dalvin Cook, who could be a game-changing running back. Well, how about this? Be the best version of themselves, which they weren't last year because of their line. You got Garrett Bradbury, your first-round pick at center. It starts there. If the line can be better, that's going to help everyone. When Wes mentioned the a few weeks ago how an offensive line changing from one year to the next can just transform a team, I, I've thought about that when it comes to the Vikings. Because I think on paper, especially because Bradbury's look great and Gary Cooper 
Kubiak, the, you know, their coaching, Coos, making the bro. line better. The talent is good enough to go from one of the worst to maybe a top 10 line. And then I'm with you, Dan. I don't know if they're the number one offensive league, but in terms of efficiency, I can think they could be a top three or four type of DVOA team. They're uh, not going to put up that many points, but they're going to be efficient. And, and I think they have a high rounds. floor. And a high ceiling. I thought you were going to get wild and say this could be a top five offense or something. And then you went straight to the top, number one. When your line stinks, when your line stinks, it's like you know, of all these shiny part parts on the outside, it's like a really fresh looking apple, and you bite into it, and the inside mm. is like rotten, dead animal on the inside. <laughs> That's what, what they that? were last year. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I plus see have you seen points, Dalvin but... Cook's biceps? And they, he is he looks he, good. He is an eighty-five yard touchdown. He's an insane tight. human being. That man can run and play football. <laughs> Moving on. Green Bay Packers, Greg Rosenthal. I want to know what kind of support Aaron Rodgers gets, and it's not from the receiver position, which we've talked about. I think that'll be fine. He can make receivers better. We haven't talked about whether he's going to have the same offensive line and if he's going to have a good running game again this year. And I think it's just a mystery with Matt LaFleur. We don't know what's going to happen. They've had a little bit of attrition. They used to have one of the best offensive lines. They've had some changes at guard. Is Brian Balaga still going to be good enough at right tackle? Is Aaron Jones and and, uh, Jamal Williams enough to kind of carry load? More about LaFleur and his scheme, can he help you know, cook up a good running game? If he can, I think they're rolling and they're fine, but I, they're a mystery in terms of what they're going to do offensively, and that, that's where it starts for me. Well, Derek Henry had the best two months of his career under Matt LaFleur last year, so that would tell me that he can, he can fix the running game. I agree with you. I'd also look at that Titans offense and kind of wonder why Matt LaFleur was elevated to the degree he was in terms of the overall look of that team. That's fair. It, it, it felt a little bit in name. I, I would wonder if the Packers, if they found out they got three weeks into the season, if Melvin Gordon was not with the Chargers, that they would ever swing a trade. We mentioned that a, a while back. You never know. I mean, they haven't had a great running back to pair with Aaron Rodgers in a long time. I'm really excited. Um, of course, Equan St. Brown is out with an injury now. Um, but I'm really excited about uh, MVS, Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Um, he's ahead of, like, when you pecking order, Devontae Adams, of course, is number one. Is it MVS or is it Geronimo next in the in the pecking order, you think, for Rodgers? I think it's MVS. I feel like, yeah, I feel like Allison's a slot guy. So he may get more targets, but MVS will be the big play threat on the outside. Then they got Jimmy Graham, of course, who's now a forgotten man. It's kind of gone the other way now where people were pushing him up the last few years as a guy that could still be elite. Now you don't even hear his name anymore, but maybe he's got – maybe that horse can nay still. He hasn't made a play in three years. Maybe the horse can still Some nay. Some whispers, <laughs> is he going to make this team? But I feel like we hear that every year with Jimmy Graham. Chicago Bears, Chris Wesley. Where do kickers come from? NFL kickers. Their moms. There's all this concern about the Bears, and I get it because of the psychology of the missed kick and how much attention they're putting on it. But Eddie Pinero, who they traded for, uh, had won the Raiders competition last year before he got injured. And if you look at the rundown of kickers in the NFL, here's where they usually come from. Cut by another team in September. Cut by another team in October. Picked up halfway through the season, given a chance and then they kept the job, and that is the majority of NFL kickers. The fact that the Bears actually gave something up for their kicker puts them ahead of the eight ball compared to how pe- mm. how these people are acquired. I just wonder if Mason Crosby or Graham Gano gets cut, though. You know, that sounds nice, but wouldn't they just 
go go for one of those guys, no matter how well Eddie Pinheiro looks the next next week. I find it funny if you're a Bears fan because you had one of the more um, promising seasons. They've waited for that forever, and it's because of offense too, not just defense. And then the entire narrative has been the kicker, and we're this far, <laughs> and we're so close to the regular season, and the narrative gets hotter and more fierce. It's not quelled on any level. I think he has shown something to this team, though, and that's why I don't think a Gano or someone else will replace him, replace him because he did go through this absurd gauntlet and came out on the other side, and it got lost in the in the mix when what happened in Indianapolis with Andrew Luck this weekend. But he split the uprights on a 58-yarder. I think he essentially earned the job, uh, barring some type of catastrophe mm. uh, in preseason week four. And how about punching a few more touchdowns? Right. And uh, try to try to stop the regression on defense. I think one way they could do that, I was thinking about, like, could Khalil Mack go to another level? Could he? He's had a whole camp with this team. He wasn't exactly 100%. He's a Hall of Fame type player, but can he have his defensive player of the year just a Khalil Mack's career season? Because that, that could make them even even better. Detroit Lions, Mark Sessler. I'm trying to keep Lions fans to uh, to keep keep have them listen to this show still because it's been an off season where all we do is sort of whip them left and right and kick them around and they've <laughs> got to be wondering what we think about them. I, I do think they see know. they do know, but I see a few strengths when I take a look. I like obviously the line. You've got Trey Flowers, Mike Daniels, Snacks Harrison, Ashawn Robinson, Deshaun Hand, all the Shans. You've got a receiver in Kenny Galladay. Okay, I think Carryon Johnson, we all know it, is a fantasy darling. He's a potential huge breakout character in an offense that wants to run the ball a lot. Stafford can still mash. So what is missing? Why do we look at Detroit and say they absolutely cannot do anything to stir a little chaos in this division? They beat the Patriots and the Panthers and swept the Packers, a bad Packers team last year. What is missing? Why can't they have an identity I'm, now, today? You know, I'm kind of with you on this podcast. We do sometimes get locked into our narrows and, and we'll beat up on certain teams. I am guilty of this as well. Titans fans know. Uh, but you know what? I would have liked to see their offense be a little more competent, fun, slash dangerous in the in the preseason so far. Give us something to hang our hat on. Maybe they're hiding something special. Perhaps. Maybe it's that situation. But I, there is a creeping sense of doom about the Matt Patricia era for mm. me, despite all that. The utter lack of blue chip players. That would be the issue. Mm. Yeah. You, yeah. Have, you have some at, really at good positions. You have above average starters at several spots. But who's your difference maker? Is he going to be more comfortable, too, as a head coach? I, I think he's shown some signs of that if you've watched his, his press conferences, Matt Patricia. Because you never know. This, it's a short career. This might be his chance. To answer your question, though, Mark, I don't put – if they won 10 games, I think they're one of the 28 teams that can win 10 games. What? I really believe 28 teams or so can win, and they're in that. They're just in a tough division. Wes, as we turn the calendar to September 2019, is the quarterback still a difference maker to you? The one in Detroit? Yes, the guy in Detroit. It's never been a difference maker. Oh. Ooh, dang, bro. I mean, you, I'm not the only one who's seen the stats like for years. Matthew hey, Stafford hey, is like hey, one hey, in 30 hey. against hey. winning teams. The Watch NFC it. South. Andrew Luck never beat the Patriots. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Chris Wessling. Football is a game of one-on-one battles. This offensive line loses way too many one-on-one battles. And my question is, how much is that going to be exacerbated by Bruce Arians' infamous seven-step drop, quarterbacks getting killed behind his offensive lines? Oh, dang. Does Jameis Winston really have a chance behind this offensive line? 
He that, didn't against the Browns, and I know it's—I know it was only you know a quarter and a half, but sacked five times in 19 minutes. My one issue with that is that they're also on top of the protection, trying to get Jameis Winston to be a totally different human being, where it's just throw the ball away, be safe, be smart, don't do what you're wired to do, which is make crazy plays that turn into a lot of interceptions or something great. Bruce Arians isn't going to change at this point, and hearing him after the game blame his offensive line just gave me flashbacks to basically every place he's ever coached. It's like, at some point, if you just leave five guys in the block in the NFL, your offensive line is going to fall apart and struggle, and Arians just keeps blaming the offensive line. Hey, look in the mirror. Hmm. We're not in on uh, Bruce Arians. No, I mean, I, I think he'll be all right. But in that particular, it's always a weakness for him. I mean, they also have like you know, a lot of talent on offense, which you could see them going out and dropping 35 points on a team if they can. This is know, not the, the time to get shy safe. about your love of Jameis Winston. You got Bruce Arians no, in the I, building now. I think he's got like, a good It could chance. all pay off for you after hell, years. Hell, we've been talking of Chris Godwin on this podcast for, for two life. years now. Godwin Nation, stand up. This is the time. <laughs> I mean, this, Godheads. this is where it's going to all come to pass. <laughs> Peyton Barber Nation, sit back down. Uh, Jason Pierre-Paul, by the way, cleared to resume rehab activities. That would be a nice addition. I don't know what that means in terms of a return, but it's a positive step. It is a nice step. Todd Bowles Nation. Just like stand up, maybe. Does get, he have a nation? Get a go to the water fountain and <laughs> not, then come back New to your seat. A lot of nations. <laughs> the Saints, Greg. Oh, the Saints. You're wasting time. <laughs> <laughs> Searching for notes. <laughs> the, we are we'll ten seconds. Out. In. I know. Now you're just making Eric it. is going to one minute you, and there's going to be nothing. <laughs> no, no, we're not going to. Uh, I think this defense is is as stacked as it's been in the Sean Payton era. And I'm surprised that sort of the lack of national respect that it's gotten. I like this linebacker group. I love the deep secondary. They can match up with anyone. I, I think Marcus Davenport is one of the players to watch in the NFC in terms of like second year players that could break out. And I've just heard a couple like conversations. I think everyone forgets how great they were at the end of last year. That's the reason they should have been in the Super Bowl. It wasn't their offense in the playoffs. I watched the FS1 has been airing those old NFL films, 30-minute recaps of each season. They still make them, by the way. I thought this was like a bygone era. Well, they used to arrive like on VCR tape in late July, and it was like a godsend. Yeah. Well, the one on the Saints I happened to catch, and they were very blunt about, and then finally, in the last three minutes, their season and chance at the Super Bowl was stolen from them by the officials. This team was a Super Bowl team last year. So what is what is to say that they're not going – and what more, more motivation could you have – then what happened last year? The defense, if you believe in Breeze still, the offense is going to score a ton of points. This team has a secret weapon. Remember Dante Hall, the joystick? Mm-hmm. Kick returner for the Chiefs? They've got a rookie named Deontay Harris who's five foot six, and every time I see him return a punt, he gets at least 20 yards. The Saints have led Rich the NFL in five foot five return guys that like used to be beer men. Little Gerald Ice Cube McNeil action. I'm going to save a prediction. Our next episode is going to be our mm-hmm. Go Get My Lunch props. I have one Saints related. I want to share it so badly right now. Don't. But I can't. Holster it. I can't do it. Holstering it. You're excited, Greg. This is your favorite team, really. No, it your is Your two lane ties and all that. <laughs> it is not. But some they, years. They found some people in, in camp, including Emmanuel Butler, undrafted rookie who's been a sensation. Their, their uh, first draft pick, Eric McCoy. I like to call him E-Man Butt. Carolina Panthers, a final reminder that the Panthers were 6-2 and two before Cam's shoulder went kablooey last year. Uh, Carolina was a top offense uh, that had scored 99 points in their previous nine quarters uh, before the injury. North Turner was on fire. 
all or nothing producers were pooping their pants at the thought of documenting a Super Bowl scene. We know what happened next. <laughs> My question is, now that they are healthy and hopefully Cam's healthy, the offensive line has hypothetically been improved. The defense had some much needed parts added to it. Are we sleeping a little bit on the Panthers once again being a true NFC contender and a chance to win that division? Well, I would submit that this studio is not, this podcast is not sleeping on the Panthers. We see them as a contender. I put them in the playoffs in the NFL.com predictions. I wish I had just picked them to win the division because, you know, have some have some balls. But your love of the Saints ball. precluded. You know, because yeah. uh, I'm with I you. Think I think they're, they're, they could be a top seven or eight team in the NFL for sure. I mean, in one beating drum that's been going on the whole time is Curtis Samuel growing and DJ Moore's second year. I mean, there's there are some weapons for Cam Newton finally if he can. There's no chance that Cam's going to come back from this shoulder surgery and retire, become like a, a, a Chad Pennington type scenario. No, they all reports are he's, he's throwing the ball great. But they said that about every quarterback now. Ooh, the velocity's up a tick this summer. That's <laughs> like, fair. I don't know what to believe anymore. It's a really fascinating <laughs> time for the organization, though, because David Tepper, their new owner, you feel like he wants to make changes in terms of his coach and his GM. They've had a great run here, Rivera and Marty Herney. So it's like they have to be a playoff team or else there's going to be huge turnover. I'm with you. I feel like this is a playoffs or bust scenario for the coach and GM. Mode. Tall order because it's the one division I think of that just eats itself up every year. Like the Eagles, though, I think they're really complete. Like, where is the weakness? I don't see it. I think they're a pretty well-built team. and that, uh, Depth at the skill positions on offense. And how about Dave Gettleman? He'd be like, hey, you making fun of my Curtis Samuel pick now? Give me a little credit up here in New York. <laughs> Gettleman's calling for I the mean, credit a lot. I mean, it's been a good lately. month. Atlanta Falcons, Mark Sessler. Dan and I picked the Falcons a year ago to go to the Super Bowl, and we were embarrassed by destiny, <laughs> by Mrs. Fate. Yep, she's married now to an industrial plumber. Mrs. Fate, but now the Falcons Whoa. have Dirk Cutter, friend of Matt Ryan, running the offense. They're healthy on defense. All the big names are back. If Mrs. Fate bangs us again, it's because of this fill-in-the-blank reason concerning Atlanta's weak spot. What is the reason we can't just turn around, Dan, and pick them again? What's not to like? Yeah. Well, besides you're not going to do it, I might do it. I, what's not to like with the Falcons? Do you trust their defense? Yeah, f- I would say four out of five years of below-average defense when Dan Quinn's been there. And well, that, I think I well hold on. We don't see what they could have been last year had they been healthy. So I'm with you. I, I'm I had not ready to the write NFC them off. I I agree. I'm not ready. I I think they're an entertaining team. I think the offensive line that that Dimitrov. You have to wonder if his era. I mean, it's been a, it's been 11 years now here with. It's unkillable. We can't just assume that first round picks are good on offensive line. Right. With no. That's what I mean. And they put a lot of money and a lot of picks into their offensive line. That's kind of the key. Is, is, did that to, work? If that doesn't work, Dimitrov might be To done. your point, Mark, if we're going to give the Panthers a pass for the injuries last year, we should do the same for the Falcons because that injury bug ravaged them from week one and never let go. And I think Devontae Freeman is a major X factor here um, as well because he's kind of forgotten now. Calvin and they, Ridley. Calvin Ridley is another ma- in line for a major year two bump. Uh, but I think Freeman is a guy that kind of has been lost in the mix. He was one of the best running backs in football. Preach. And maybe now, maybe he's breaking down. Maybe that's the situation. Or maybe he's going to return. And if you add one of the best running backs in football to that offense, look out. Mm. I, I like the Dirk Cutter thing. It's a narrative buster. We don't have to deal with the last offensive coordinator. Everyone brings up every time you bring up the Falcons. And this idea that Dan Quinn is on thin ice, please. I don't... He's got to be in thin ice. Why though? He's a, he's renowned to be a great coach. I just think he's done a solid. You got to go find someone Resolve. better than him. He just Resolve. fired everybody. And if they had another dark January, I'd think he'd be in danger. All right, let's take a pause here. A reminder: Hard Knocks is almost through. 
Check By the way, check out NFL.com slash Hansis. The latest recap is up on the website. But also, more content. The Hard Knocks podcast, uh, an NFL films joint hosted by Peter Schrager, who takes you behind the scenes talking to Yummy. Uh, players, coaches, people that know Hard Knocks. And you know the Schrag bomb is plugged in. You know he's plugged in. He brings that Hard Knocks coverage with just a little bit of extra pop that you're looking for, Schrager's, right, Dan? Yeah, Schrager's, well, he's fine. He's fine. Schrager's the insider that doesn't need to say, I'm the insider. Mm. He lets That's the you results want, do you the talking. Be. You want to be that guy. Hard Knocks podcast. Check it out every week through next week, the finale. Let's move on now to the final division in the NFC, the NFC West, starting with the old Zooster, old Zooster, uh, San Francisco 49ers. I want to get the temperature of the room here, uh, like most of the football cognoscenti. You boys were super high on Jimmy G and the Niners last year. Then came the slow start, the torn ACL, the summer of less than glowing reviews about the boy who would be Brady. Uh, Working under the assumption that Wes purchased the new P-Scale after the luck fiasco. Where do you boys stand in your trust of the 49ers today? One, pants totally dry. Uh, Okay. Ten, yellow flood, total panic. Where you at? 4.2. So you're feeling pretty good about the Niners. Wait, ten is total panic? Ten is a total flood. yellow flood. Uh, I, I'm going on six points. I mean, I meant to be on it's that. It's tricky side. to okay. answer it. I t- the way you're asking, I'm going to say six and a half. In reality, I'm fine if they're great or if they stink. They're not going. No, I don't mean like me. personal stakes. Just like Greg where, where you, about the 49ers. <laughs> where, I'm saying, where do you stand? Do you believe this team is going to be I'm, great or good? I think or they okay have more questions than answers. Yeah, I, it, it looks good on paper. I, I'm. I'll put it at five. But I. W- the problem is a Hold lot on more. The fence, Sessler. Well, no, but a lot more tends to go wrong in a season. Five. Than right Fuck out answers five. Because I, because I, it's a total wait and see for me. Like you can't, I just can't look at anything they've had over the last years and make an assessment. Is this a playoff team? You tell no, me not, in the NFC, not in the NFC. Not in the NFC. I think the thing I'm most Close. I don't think so either. I, I want to see Garoppolo do well with Shanahan. I, the receivers, we don't know who's going to step up. The key for this team to me is Joey Bosa, D Ford, DeForest Buckner. If they're all healthy and have the type of seasons they could. They're gonna. That's the best trio defensive line maybe in the league, and they alone, I think, can carry this team. This division: Rivera, Quinn, Shanahan, all these guys that are on thin ice. It's like you got Who are you gonna go get that's better than these coaches? They're all gonna flip flop and just hire each other's coaches. Man, I love watching Matt Breida run. That's all I have to say about. He is like I, he Jared is McKinnon. taking Twitter by storm this week. Also a setback for McKinnon. So who knows what's going on with him? The Seattle Seahawks. All right, all right. Mark Sessler. You know, sometimes as parents, we wonder what happened. A few years back, we were loose and free and staying out till 4 a.m. with boundary-pushing twins named Chardonnay and Ralph. AM twins. <laughs> but now dads are tired wearing dad clothes, folding laundry. Moms would rather fall asleep at 8 p.m. than dance under the light of the disco ball. The Seahawks were that vibrant young thing for so long. Have they finally become the tired, overextended parent of the NFC, NFC West, or is there one more adventure in the tank? I thought yes, last season Great served analogy. as kind of a uh, a new beginning for the Seahawks rather than them holding on. Great I, analogy. If anyone though is kind of going out, you know, late at night and not worrying about it, it's Pete Carroll. You know, well that's about, true. About in the youth, I don't know if I look at the roster that way, but I think this team's on the couch with bonbons. There you go. It's a weird team. It's a weird Seahawks season when you look at the offensive line as one of the strengths. 
Remember, that's all we ever talked about. And now it's like, I think actually they should be fine. They should be able to run the ball well. If you have Russell Wilson and you have one of the best defensive coaches of his era, I just feel like that you start with like a 6-7 win floor. And so the, the bottom's not going to fall out. I'm, I'm a little bummed that you're speaking this way, Greg, because I was hoping you were also going to go against the Seahawks, and then I could take your corner from last mm. year when people overlook <laughs> the Seahawks in the NFC, and then all of a oh, sudden I'm they're 9-4. I'm, I'm giving them eight wins. You know, just... Yeah, I'm with you. That's a boring fold in. Oh, all right. Well, then I am on my own. I'm past. on an island here. I think it's a double-digit win team. Corner's open. Corner's open. I'm going to take the corner. <laughs> then you have <laughs> to trust have the it. coaching that much. Wow. Be what careful. a big development. I'm Be very careful. happy to Seahawks do. Twitter is strange. They're intense. Yes. Do you know? They ask it's you a on their podcast, Beast Pod. I mean, there's a lot going on. Do you know in okay. like a fantasy draft when your pick is up seven, six, five, four, three, and you have the guy that you want, and then he's there, and you get to grab him? That's how it felt just now to get the Seahawks. I'm on the corner. And the same way that we don't really care about anyone's fantasy team, I'm not sure I care about that analogy from you either. Enjoy your your fifth-round picks and journeymen on the defensive line. Uh, Greg, the Rams. I want to see what Sean McVay does offensively this season, just schematically, because I – it wasn't just that they struggled in the Super Bowl. It was that game against the Bears and the Eagles, and the, the Patriots did a lot of same similar things that the Bears did. And I just think after a couple years, McVay is smart. He knows he needs to stay ahead of the game, and he's one of the you know, most brilliant minds we've seen come into the league. And I just want to see what happens, because I don't believe in a hangover. I believe in this roster. You know, I, I don't see any reason why you can't just pencil them in and put them right back in the playoffs and, and probably with the Eagles as, as the favorite for a bye because I don't think the division is that great. Well, McVay's sort of known for running out of the same alignment, not mixing up things too much beyond, say, like the jet fly sweeps and the commotion going on in the backfield. So I, I think it will be interesting to see if he gets more creative, comes out of those alignments and tries new things. And they can run anything from, you know, any formation. So they are creative. It's just, I think, what he's done, he knows. I mean, that's the that's the story of the NFL. You always have to be evolving. I know September essentially just does not matter by the time we get into the heart of the season, but they have the Panthers, Saints, and Browns, two of those very good pass rushes right out of the gate. And I feel like this is a team that needs a fast start to quiet the echoes on Jared Goff and the rest. And that's a tall order right out, right out of the gate. It's been a, a quiet summer for them. And um, that's a good thing. I think after last year and all the hype, it for them to be a little bit more under the radio, radar is a good thing. And one other guy that's under the radar, Cooper Cup, who tore his knee up last November, I, was, I believe. Uh, Jay Glazer wrote last month that Cup's test scores coming out of his breaks, agility, quickness, every test time better than it was before he tore his ACL. Well, that sounds promising. That offense wasn't the same without him. If Cup comes back and he's Cup right away. Mm-hmm. They're going to be fine. I don't know about the Todd Gurley situation. Little but Daryl Henderson. There's the offense, If there was any problem, it's the offensive line. Cardinals, Chris Wessling. <laughs> Close out the NFC, Wes. Spotlight is on this offense uh, with Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray. It was an offense that last year, according to Football Outsiders, finished last on first down, finished last on second down, finished last on third down, finished last in the first half of games, finished last in the second half of games, finished last at home, finished last on the road. <laughs> Not good. That's the offense. While everybody's concentrating on that, I would submit that the defense might take the offense's place as last at home, last on the road, last on first down, last on second down. This might be the worst defense in the NFL, starting with a secondary that will be playing without its top two cornerbacks for the first half of the season. 
and a coordinator who really has never had success as a coordinator. Vance Joseph. Yes. You paint a bring a grim picture here. And it makes sense. Well, they spent the offseason collecting everybody's cast-offs and turning them into starters on on defense. I keep saying like 28 teams could win 10 games. It might be 30. It might just be the Cardinals and the Dolphins are the ones that are hard to imagine. It's really hard to imagine the Dolphins, I mean the Cardinals, having a winning record. And, it's, and Kyler Murray staying healthy. Kyler Mania would have to take hold. And the thing here, it's not, it's not, you know, Vic Fangio as your head coach, where you're going to give him three. It's like Cliff Fangio. Kingsbury is a very boomer bust scenario in terms of he walked into a situation where it's good because the offense was so boring. We're going to, it's going to be more exciting. But there was so much work to do on this roster that they could still win two or three games. If they, if they move the ball and they're exciting offensively, that's that's win enough for Kingsbury in year one. How about David Johnson? David Johnson and Kyler Murray, if they're both looking great, you can't talk yourself into them being contention. Is the defense going to be because that of much? the defense? Yeah, and, and unless they're dropping thirty-five points, you know, it's, even it's going to be the running. Even shoot then, how good are we talking about? Like a top ten offense? I don't know. What what position is really good on this team? Maybe running back. Yeah, running back. Ooh, outside linebacker when Chandler Jones is on the field. Maybe quarterback, but but that, there's a lot of learning to do. Halftime. Ooh, we haven't had that team pop up yet. The uh, the one minute team. Oh wow, that's right. So we're down to sixteen. Have to, how's it going, Ricky? How's the show been so far? It's going so fast, it's hard to really get. Yeah, to you guys are actually kind of interesting when you keep it tight. Did you make that call, by the way? Uh, about the fridge? Yeah, about the fridge. Yeah, I'm working on it now. I got my tool set, and I'm <laughs> I'm building it from scratch right now for Greg. <laughs> Multi <There's> water, please. <laughs> All right, so we're halfway I mean, you through. Just like walk it, walk by it every day for two months. Yeah, have, have some respect, self respect. <laughs> <laughs> Why are we digging deeper into this pit? This is our halftime show. The look on Ricky Holiday's face right now. <laughs> the uh, it's okay. I'm not worried about it. The fridge has become an issue for the podcast. I don't like it. You know what? Il Zeuser might lumber up and bring it in just to end this. That'd be smart. Situation. That'd be smart. Well, someone is dragging it in now. Oh, oh look, look at this. this! It's coming in. Ryan Bartlett. Oh yeah. He's a, oh, he's a corn-fed Midwestern boy. Oh yeah. <laughs> he's he lifted it up. A lot of corn. Yeah. Greg keeps looking at his microphone like something's wrong with it, but I turned him down about five minutes ago, so he keeps <laughs> looking at it to see if uh, <laughs> if he did something wrong, but his mic's off. And there are lies an the producer who has more power than anyone on a yep. podcast. Here we go. Let's go to the AFC. Still <laughs> off. Love you, Ricky. Here you go. All right, here we go. Let's start with the New England poop triots. Center David Andrews could be done for the year after being diagnosed with blood clots in his lungs. Second year uh, left tackle Isaiah Wynn. Looks promising, but... That's their third starting left tackle in as many years. Factoring in the unsettled line, the untested options at the playmaker positions, uh, could we be looking at an especially especially sluggish start for the Patriots this year? Now, we know they're slow starters, but isn't there more reason to think than ever that the offense specifically could really struggle in the early going? I used – I don't know. That that felt like the story during the entire offseason and then – August comes around and it feels like they're fine. I just, you know, Josh Gordon's back. Sony Michelle is running better than he ever has. Um, Jacoby Myers shows up. I, I don't know. I, I figure the Patriots would just, they'll find a way to figure it out. They, they lost one of the best centers in football, David Andrews, uh, to 
some serious blood clots might end his season. Yeah, I mentioned that. Um, like 47. But I'm saying that's the best <laughs> offensive line they've ever had was last year. They brought it. Mm. They brought him back. I think Win. You know, Win should be fine uh, at left tackle. He's looked good, but they have the deepest backfield. That's a projection, they've had. though. We haven't seen it. We've seen it in the preseason a little bit. You're right. I mean, you haven't you haven't seen it. Uh, but I think it's a defensive team. I'm wondering what. Like if the momentum from the end of last season and the way that he can construct a pass rush through all these guys like Hightower and Van Noy, Winovich, Winovich, you know, where it's not guys who win one on one necessarily, but it's kind of like you can line them up in every any situation. I don't know. I think Belichick is just loving this group. I think the Josh Gordon reinstatement is just massive for this team and. Belichick is very close to Tom Landry's 20 straight winning seasons. I think he absolutely, that is a goal of his. He has featured heavily on the Tom Landry football life, and I think that it is on his radar, and he is going to burn to get this team to 10, 11, what, It's on his radar that he was in the football life? No, that, that Tom oh. Landry, that is, one of the, that is one of the records that will never happen again, I think, in football. Buffalo Bills, Chris Wessling. From an organizational foundation perspective, I think Josh Allen is one of the most fascinating players in the league this year. It's important for quarterbacks to command respect among teammates and coaches, but it's so rare for a quarterback with major issues in accuracy and decision-making to command that respect, which is why I find it odd that any time a Bills player or coach speaks about Josh Landry, it's with the utmost certainty that he's going to be a star. Everybody is so confident in Buffalo that this guy is the answer and the leader. Um, and then a guy like Jordan Palmer, who saw him in the offseason, says he's got the most talented set of physical traits that I've ever seen in a quarterback. So to me, I, I, like Kyler Murray is one of these guys who, from an organizational foundation perspective, is fascinating. But Josh Allen is, too. I mean, he, it's, it's almost mythical, his arm strength. And we know there's issues with accuracy or maybe there is, maybe there's not. But you also forget that he led the team in rushing last year. He is an outrageous talent. And as much talk as there is about a Lamar Jackson for his two-way abilities, maybe Allen doesn't get enough love for that. He's truly a special specimen. I think I, I like what they did with the Cole Beasley, John Brown. Another team adding those two guys that may not, it's not going to wow you. These aren't like huge, like game changing type talents, but it is exactly what Buffalo needed. They have a deep backfield. Like a, they're deeper than they thought they would be because of Devin Singletary in the, in the backfield. And I think he can, he's in position to make a leap where they were the most talent poor offense in the league last year to some degree and having to do crazy stuff with their playbook. Right. Can Brian Dable, you know, call the right plays? Because with that running game, you know, Frank Gore and LaShawn McCoy look great in their preseason effort. And Singletary had a monster camp. Like Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen should have open throws. I mean, because of the running game, because of his running game. But quarterbacks is not just how hard you throw it. You need touch. He has no touch. He's, he's shown no ability. They're still talking about how he's firing in 100 mile an hour the passes. organic fish tank with Mark Sessler. Let's drunkenly fall into that fish tank and explore why the organically reloading fins would go after Jadevian Clowney in August 2019. Serenade me with your big brains. Hmm. I'm surprised this is getting so much criticism. People who are really in on, oh my God, they have to rebuild, they have to tank. I mean, the point is to have good players on your team. Good young players. And and if they believe that getting Clowney 
for a couple pieces that they want to get rid of anyways, like Kenny Stills and Kenyon Drake or whatever it ends up being, and getting him signed long term eventually, that's the way to do but it. Like that's fine. To get him signed long term, it's not just you can't just. There's no reason to bring him in for two seasons. Yeah, but if, right? if Kenyon Drake, if you're not in love, you with, have him. You have the. Let's power. use this as like the framing. Kenyon Drake, a guy that's a talented running back that they don't seem to love. Kenny Stills, who's gone sideways with the ownership, and let's say I don't know a third round pick. What is what is irreplaceable from that move? I feel like it would be a no brainer. I don't mind giving that up. I even just am you, wondering if you even have, if you lose out, you get a you get just, a draft pick you have out of it. For two years, it feels a little strange to me. That's all. I, but that's fine. But I mean, there's if they have them, they are by far the most likely team to sign them to a long term extension because that's just how the NFL works. They'd have the franchise tag. And if they just give him money, I mean, I like that's, that's all it comes down to in the end. Like if they just pay him what he wants. He'll you know what pro athletes love? Playing in Southern Florida in Miami. I feel like that could be a big part of the recruitment process. I mean, it sounds like he's into Philly and Seattle. So we'll see. Money will could change that. What else you got? I mean, the Dolphins, to me, I find interesting because of the Josh Rosen thing, because you have to figure out what you have. All this rebuilding thing was about going into next year's draft and getting their quarterback. You've got one that you think you want to look at, and the reviews have not been good. And for all the reasons we thought that we would be ahead of Josh Rosen's arc of he's not a problem, forget this millennial issue and all this other business. He's not someone the coaches seem to love wherever he goes. Outplayed Ryan Fitzpatrick in the preseason by far. I mean, it's been mixed reviews. You've heard things like that, and then you've heard things like the same old stories. With it's him. hard to he's hard to evaluate behind that offensive line. New York Jets, Greg Rosenthal. Is this going to be uh, Joe Douglas's finest hour this week? I mean, this is Joe Ooh. Douglas week. I, I Jets fans didn't like that. I said they might add you know five ten players before the season starts. They've already done. Two, they've already added two veterans, including a lot, but including yeah. okay, well, we've got two, and we haven't even got the cuts yet. They made a trade for Nate Hairston. The bottom of this roster is one of the worst bottom of rosters in the NFL. I think that's what separated the Patriots, for instance, from other teams. They have nice a great, back. great thirty to fifty, and I think if if Douglas can have a big week, let's say Nate Hairston, this guy they just traded for from the Colts, ends up just being a solid contributor. Keep stacking guys like that and you and you have a decent bottom of the roster, the play you know, the sky's the limit. I think this is a playoff talent team at the top. He doesn't get his first real bite at the apple until obviously free agency in the draft process. That was the unusual nature of the turnover in the front office for the Jets. But yes, this is his chance now to start making the minor moves to try to get add some glory. Some Can't you just imagine the Manish Meta, you know, puff piece <laughs> in mid-October going through all the guys they added in September? It's like, these are the Douglas boys. You know, no one wanted them. And now the Jets are five He's and in three. a good spot right now. Because if the season goes terribly, he won't get killed for it. And if they overperform and things like that happen, he will be hailed as a savior. So, yes, as much pressure as there is on Douglas, and there are reasons why people would have said, why didn't he hang back and wait for more job offers so he could weigh the different ones uh, as opposed to taking what seems like a a cursed job in general with the Jets? Well, maybe because the opportunity is here to really build something, and Sam Darnold's a big part of that, too. I think the the switch flipped on Darnold last December. I was waiting to see a little bit of what happened this summer with him, too, and every little bit of evidence suggests that it did, and that is huge for New York. Douglas needs to find some pass rushers. Some linebackers, period. He's like that, the eighth part Jets it. GM. It's linebackers, with with it's cornerbacks, it's tight ends. The offensive line is set, but I don't know mm. if it's going to be good or not. Hey, Joe's haven't had a pass rusher since John Abraham in 2005. All right, moving on. The AFC North, Chris Wessling, Pittsburgh Steelers. I think I'm guilty of this. 
I spent the offseason hyping the Browns, and I still love their roster. But we know, and Mark has hit on it, they have a major concern on the offensive line. And then I look at the Steelers, look up and down their roster, and where is the concern? I think some people think wide receiver is unproven, but haven't the Steelers earned the benefit of the doubt at that position by now? Hell yeah. Oh, yes. To me, they have the third best playoff odds in the AFC behind the behind the Chiefs and Patriots, and I see no weak spot on this team. Me too, because I like the secondary. And I, if there's a weak spot, it's like I want to see Mike Tomlin turn uh, a sizable amount of talent into a top six or seven defense. Just hasn't happened. It's very he's always in that ten to twelve range in terms of defensive DVO. Not a bad defense, not a great one. This should be his best defense. Well, that's on Keith Butler too, but I, I I'm with you that I feel like you know th- this off season and it's so interminably long that like <laughs> we've come full cir- circle where now we do see the Steelers for what they are one of the best offensive lines in the AFC and lots of talent and why have we, why were we ruling not us but people knocking them out of the playoff picture three or four months ago I mean it's absurd I think it's because of. You're Browns. I know, but then, then that all becomes Tough circus division. farce. We're and they now, gotta, we're, now we're over the Browns. No, but please. No, no, no. Slow down. <laughs> Take it easy. I'm saying it's because the Browns are the new kids on the block. So th- it's like we have to get rid of somebody. The Steelers. We're done with the Steelers already. But the reality is the Steelers are not done. And for what no. Wes was just saying, this team's loaded. We Great division. We didn't know that James Washington was going to come into camp a different player than he was a year ago. We didn't know that Deontay Johnson could be an impact rookie or that Devin Bush was going to be that guy they've been looking for to replace Shazier. Some of the young guys in the secondary, Terrell Edmonds, um, Cameron Sutton, supposedly looking really Cam good. Cam Kelly from the AAF. You know, so that makes a difference. Uh, they need Roethlisberger to be a little better. I mean, I think he was... I think last year was probably his worst year. I can Football remember. Outsiders disagrees with you vehemently. They have him as one of his best passing seasons. Watch out for Devin Bush, too. Moving on to the Baltimore Ravens and the old Zeuser. Sorry, guys. Uh, the popular line of thought this offseason is that the year two growth of Lamar Jackson will dictate whether the Ravens are an NFC, AFC contender or an all-saran. Uh, but that's obviously too simple. What besides a stumble from Jackson will keep this team from contending for a division title come December? Like what else? What? Uh, what are? What's another chink in the armor? I don't. Well, they, let, yeah, go ahead, Wes. They lost more than half their sacks, pressures, and hurt uh, hits from their defense. Um, Still surprised Terrell Suggs isn't on this team anymore. Tim Williams, Tyus Bowser, these guys they've drafted in the past who haven't played much at all. They're going to be. Taking major snaps now. Jalen Ferguson, they drafted in the third round. It'll be interesting to see what he does. But I think that front seven, can they get after the passer? Because that secondary has been used to them getting after the passer. I mean, Lamar Miller talked about recently throwing the ball 30 times a game. I'll wait. I'll see. I'll believe it when I see it, number one. But 30 times a game to who? Like, I, it just is, to me is not a wide receiver group that's going to get you out a lot, a lot of a lot of situations. I think Mark Andrews and Hayden Hurst are... Like the know, tight ends. Why, just, well, and Willie Sneed and... And yeah, and the rookie Miles Boykin. I mean, you're right. It, we haven't seen Hollywood Brown except for a few plays, but he's an X factor. But I picked him to win the division. I think they're. I think they're a very solid team, and they're right up there with Pittsburgh for in terms of reliability factor. I have three, all three top AFC North teams in the playoffs. The secondary with Earl Thomas. I mean, I think he could be comeback player of the year. All those young guys you mentioned rushing the passer west supposedly haven't stepped up, haven't had a good camp, and Pernell McPhee, their old friend, is probably going to start, which is a bad sign, I think, for them. Uh, man, that would be. Kind of weird if it was the front seven of the Ravens that that let them down. You're so used to the defense carrying the carrying the load. I don't know. I feel like they've earned the benefit of the doubt for me. The same way the Steelers with the wide receiver room that they're going to figure yeah, it out. That's fair. I like I'm this with game you. too. Man, Mark, that's a tough division. 
It really it's, is. It always has been. Nothing's changed. I think everyone assumed all these things had changed. Nothing's changed. Mm. The Cleveland Browns. Greg Rosenthal. All right, in Cleveland. I, I had a whole spiel, but I'm now piqued by, by what Mark just said, how it's ridiculous how now the people have gone away from the Cleveland Browns as we approach the season. Is this on, is this on your radar? I may not be level-headed on this, so if you had a logical argument, continue with it. No, I mean, uh, I, th- you think like people are now dismissing the I Browns? I think there's the exhaustion with the Browns, which if it were another team, I would totally be buying into and feeling that exhaustion. So I, I understand. Mm. I Take a look at that pass rush against the Buccaneers with Olivier Vernon and Miles Garrett meeting at the quarterback on every play. That, that'll that get you fired up about the Browns. I, I feel like they may have to have some games where their defense, if the line is the offensive line struggles and they are not scoring points the way people think, it may be the pass rush and the defense that has to get them out of jams and win some games. Mm. Who's but I think they're going to be fun. They'll be relevant and fun. That's Shut all. the you know. <laughs> It's my world. <laughs> That's the team you cut in half. <laughs> it's my world. She says. Can I hear that again? That was aggro. Shut the fuck up. I'm here. What you have to say? It's time to move the fuck on. It's my world. <laughs> well, you heard the that lady. is untoward. You heard That's the disturbing. lady. Let's move on, Mark, to the Cincinnati Bengals. <laughs> well, and I get another team that I this fan base is on my back thinking that I constantly kill them, and I do. So I'm going to give you a couple things I like about the Bengals beyond Joe Mixon and A.J. Green. I like rookie runner Rodney Anderson, who looked great catching the ball against the Giants. He's been out of football for a year. This is my world. I like Ryan Finley as Dalton's backup. I don't know what that does unless Dalton gets hurt, though. I like the depth in two places, tight end. I like the D-line, maybe wide receiver. But what am I missing? Is there anything here to make me look like anything other than a raging floozy for predicting doom for Mike Brown's play thing. I want to be more positive. Help me. Is a floozy like a, a loose woman? Yeah, I'd be like a male version of a loose woman if I get this wrong. You, you hit on it. It's the defensive line. And, <laughs> and maybe the names don't jump out, but just what, you, what we've read in camp and the depth that they have with Atkins, Dunlap. They think Carl Lawson's really going to step up. He's looked great. Sam Hubbard. Uh, I think Andrew Billings is a good guy in the middle. Like They have numbers there. And I think if they get a good enough pass rush, it could be a, a better defense than we've seen. That's that's their re- recipe. We all agree that the other three teams in this division are either AFC contenders or very frisky with a with a very high ceiling. I think. Uh, speaking of the Browns, um, it just seems to be in such a tough spot. I, you, I mean, it just it's almost. I mean, they're announcing spot. that an undrafted rookie, Damian Willis, is starting at wide receiver like weeks before the season. That's not a, most teams aren't doing that. I AJ think if you Green's look at their if you look at their because they they were such a good drafting team. You look at their first round picks over the four last four or five years. They have not panned out for injury or play, and that's where I think started things started to go south a little bit. They've had a lot of bad luck on that offensive line combined with bad drafting. Cedric Abouye and Jake Fisher killed them for a few years, and now Jonah Williams out. Billy Price looks like you, the year after you get taken number one overall as a center, you can't even beat out a journeyman for the starting job? Yeah, I mentioned, I wonder if they'd trade for, for Trent Williams. Be tasty. Moving on to the AFC South. Chris Wessling, the Tennessee Titans. Mentioned it earlier. We've seen the stats on on Matthew Stafford against winning teams. Kirk Cousins, similar. 185 winning percentage. Woof. Woeful. Can't beat good teams. Winning percentage, terrible. You know who can beat good teams? Who? Marcus Mariota has the third best record of any quarterback 
against teams with a winning record since the 2015 season. Only Big Ben and Tom Brady have better records. So how, do, how come they go 9-7 and seven every year? And they're not good. Because he's always hurt. He's inconsistent. You don't know which Marcus Mario is going to show up from week to week. He can beat good teams. We've seen him in the playoffs beat good teams. I mean, all right. So he's, I don't know if he's the one beating them, but does he pass the eye test on any other level of someone you want to build around for the next three or four years after what we've seen for the past four during the regular season? I'm not there yet to build it. I would not give him a contract right now. But like I said, he's there are games where he looks the part. He looks like a guy you want to build around. And then the next week he takes 11 sacks against the Ravens. See, I feel like he could be the third starting quarterback we see yanked for one of, after one of these guys getting pulled for a rookie. I just think these may be short there. I guess my my counter, Wes, is, and you know how I feel, but at what point is that just who he is? And it's not waiting for it all to click. Maybe he's just an inconsistent, injury-prone passer that flashes brilliance, but also will drive you nuts. I agree with you. I think that is who he is. That's who they have to evaluate. And that sounds exactly, by the way, like Ryan Tannehill, their backup. If anything, I, I... think he's been kind of consistent. He's been kind of middle of the road. He, I haven't seen the flash of the brilliance from season to season, but not from game to game. I, fair Consistently enough. inconsistent? Is that fair? I guess. I mean, he hasn't been surrounded by great talent. I'll buy that. They've they've rotated coordinators. Like, it, there's a lot of factors. That's why he's going to need to get help. I think the offensive line is worth questioning, especially with Luan out for four weeks. Saffold struggled a little bit in the preseason. Vrabel's got to cook up some some stuff with with his defense here, make them a little more noteworthy. The Houston Texans with Andrew Luck out the door. The AFC South is Deshaun Watson's playground. No, it's his property. Everyone else is renters and all you doubters, all you Bill O'Brien haters, jealous of his hands-on leadership and dimpled chin have to deal with it. Deshaun Watson is a f***ing savage in that pocket and he'll skip back to the playoffs with his friends Nuke and JJ and maybe Jadavian. Sorry, you're all wrong. Not even throwing it out for a question. That's a statement. Well, so wait, that's why you've liked the Texans the last five years? Because of his dimple? It makes sense now. It does. Bill, I didn't really like ever totally put I said it you guys are jealous of it. That's all. I mean, I've, I don't know if I've ever thought about You mean the dimple right in the middle of his little chin there? Absolutely. Chin it's I don't, very I don't, strong. It's not, not dominating it's my masculine. mind. I don't really understand your Texans bit. I think I need somebody <laughs> to explain it to me. It's, it's not a bit. It's like I get behind a team that, that was really good last year. Right. Their offensive stay line. Behind it's kind of like the whole Bob Costas thing. Mark used to like him during the prime of his career. That prime is long over. There's nothing more to understand. Or I, do, I believe in the team. I don't understand what's so hard to, to say about that. No, I, I, think, I think Watson has the potential to be one of the top five quarterbacks in football, and he showed I, flashes of that last year. I think you're right. And, and, I, and Andrew I like, Luckon, why not think that he could take this division over for the foreseeable future? And it almost felt like O'Brien coached with handcuffs on because he didn't want to put Watson uh, at risk in the running game or being nearly as creative as he was during Watson's rookie year, and I think you'll see a little bit more of that. Listen, Wes... All the things you point out, whether it's the offensive line or maybe the lack of depth on both sides, all fair. The running game doesn't drive you crazy. Uh, but you know what? I don't think this division is flawless by any means. Secondary looks if, terrible. Pretty weak if, to me. If you put this te- same team in the AFC or AFC North, for instance, I wouldn't be as excited. I about think that. their offensive line gets eaten up week after I week. Just, they made Taco me. Charlton and Kerry Hyder look like the – Steel curtain last week. A lot of teams have offensive line struggles. Uh, not all teams have a coaching staff and a quarterback that can overcome it. Just wait. I'm not sure they have the coaching staff that can overcome it. 
Just wait. Moving on. Oh, you guys are going to look so bad on that one. Colts, Greg Rosenthal. I can't wait, Greg. Whatever. <laughs> you know, they wouldn't give uh, the coach of the year last year to Frank Reich. He just lost out to it to Matt Nagy. How about he gets it this year in his version of Chuck Strong? I don't know. Jacoby Strong. Whatever it is. Yeah. They're going to rally. And I think it's because Ricky uh, Halliday's you know, favorite fantasy pick, T.Y. Hilton, is still going to be a monster. Don't worry that you lost. Wait, you took Luck. Hilton and Luck? Yeah. Yes, I did. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Here's the thing. <laughs> Double shot. Hilton was out. catching passes from Brissett in, in camp and mentioned that he had caught 29 of 30 targets. Brissett throws a beautiful deep ball that is unquestionable. What do you mean, what am I doing? Andrew Luck to T.Y. Hilton? Yeah, it was, it was weeks ago. How was I supposed to know? How was I supposed to know? I would have steered clear of Andrew that Luck. That is a little aggressive. He was walking with a limp for the past six months. I'm I'm in, I'm in on these Colts after watching Reich uh, just rally the troops, and I think there's a lot to like, especially offensively, uh, and I think Brissett can keep the train moving. Um, Hilton, by the way, uh, kind of disappeared off the radar when he had extended play with Jake Brisket. Slides me off a piece of that. Two years ago, Jake was it? Brisket. I mean, that team was a disaster. Well, you know, and t- you know, Dan, your your little Texans with all the one thing about them is <laughs> they seem to about have it. constant, constant like disorganization, chaos going on upstairs between the coaching staff. Every eight months, they're firing a GM. The Colts are tight as a fist. GM, coach, quarterback, entire roster, they're all on the same I noticed page. That's Mark not and I were thing. only two of 30 prognosticators to, to pick them. To I win. stuck with it, baby. Mainly to sink it to Dan. You Let's guys see in, what happens with your that. feelings on this culture. No, we're in our Sorry. logic, our logical mind. Rock Yassin. We didn't year. even talk about Rock Yassin. There's a defensive rookie of the year uh, underdog candidate. You couldn't even win the division with uh, Luck last year. Just now you're going to win it without him. Well, what happened in the playoffs? What happened in the playoffs when it matters? There's some serious AFC South heat going on right here. You know what? It's America's division. This is the podcast right here. (laughs) Jaguars, Sessler. Jaguars, if you're John Filippo and you're angling for a comeback after being fired less than a year ago in Minnesota, all right, you've got your boy Foles, but what's about him? What's around him behind, beside Leonard Fournette? I'm a little concerned. You don't have Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard anymore at tight end. You've got God. Jeff Swain, James O'Shaughnessy, sounds like an Irish harp duo, and rookie Josh Oliver, who's missed the entire preseason. No Jaguars receiver crossed 800 yards a year ago, and if Foles goes down, the backup is a human named Gardner Minshew. Should Filippo be defilipping out? Yes. <laughs> This offensive line might be worse than the Texans' offensive line. Well done, Mark. Mm. This offensive line could undermine the entire team this year. And there is one receiver who looks intriguing. Filippo has said that D.D. Westbrook is the best route runner he's ever been around, including Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen, which is high praise. Filippo is predicting a huge breakout year for D.D. Westbrook. I've it always- is interesting. They gave Foles a ton of money and said, here, fix it. Here starts 16 games, which you've never done. Yeah, and it's mm. it might be a big ask when you factor in what they've surrounded him with. That That's fair. You need the defense to be next level special. Not They need to be even better than they were a year ago, which was very good, by the way. They should be better than you know, they were. They were fifth or sixth, I think, in defensive DVOA last year. They were one of the best defenses of the decade the year before, and they have a lot of those players back. You add Josh Allen. I mean – you got to be a top two or three defense. And if you give Nick Foles that, then I think you got a good chance. They didn't have nearly as many turnovers last year, but that it's hard to judge any of that yeah. year to year. Um, if they kind of regress to the mean, yeah. They can, Ngakwe, they can right Josh Allen, Calais Campbell, Darius, Miles Jack, Jalen Ramsey. I mean, uh, 
I mean, you have to hold teams to 14 points week after week. That's a, that's a tall order in this league we're in right now. I, I'm not as worried about the receivers. I've always thought Chris Conley could do more than he has. I mean, it's, it's asking. Everybody about. always thinks that about Chris <laughs> Conley. Let's close it out with AFC West. Uh, does John Gruden believe in his quarterback? Do the Raiders believe in the quarterback? Mm-hmm. Been watching Hard Knocks for four weeks, attempting to gauge Carr's influence, his place on this team. I got nothing. I've seen moments that cause me to speculate that Carr doesn't have this team, uh, including the most recent episode when he tried to talk to a wide receiver about a run, a running route. Uh, who here will be surprised when Rapsheet was reporting in October that Antonio Brown is unhappy with the quarterback play? And if that happens, who on that team's going to have QB1s back? Whoa. See, I don't think, I thought you wrote this very well in your write up that there's just this sort of unidentifiable mismatch between Gruden's personality and Carr's, which we've seen, and it makes you kind of uncomfortable when you're watching it. It's because not natural the way they communicate. Because Carr, yeah. I don't you think guys anyone just got blocked on Twitter, by the way. Well, but here's my thing I think Carr seems <laughs> like a totally stand up, awesome dude, and everything that he says he is, he is. But and I my, agree. My issue a little bit is that he's not Jeff George, where there's all these people Good. thinking he's some sort of a hole. He just, the culture of that team and him and the coach. Coach, there's something not quite there, and that is a concern. Knock on wood if you're with me. <laughs> Who does he have chemistry with on that team? Keelan Doss? <laughs> I, don't know. I, don't know. I don't know. No, to answer your question, I will not be surprised if Antonio Brown is miffed at there. In fact, I'll be surprised if he's not miffed at him by then. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited mo- to watch their offense, though. I think they got so much talent, and I think Carr's good enough if they protect. I'm not a huge... You know, I don't think Carr's going to be a top 10 quarterback, but there's so much around him, and I think Gruden will have a good season. I'm not that worried about the pass. Yeah, I think that's important to point out, too, and not just because I don't want to get blocked again, is that I don't think Derek Carr is an untalented quarterback. I might like him a little bit more than others, but um, I did, it's just more a feel thing based on watching a, a reality docuseries. I mean, he got beaten Does up he in, those, in those past few years. I mean, he play, I, he's played through a lot of injuries. They they I, they have upgraded their talent though. I mean, it's significant how much better this roster is. Mayock's draft class looks pretty good. The free agent class with Lamarcus Joyner. I know we don't love Vontis Perfect. I think he'll help there. Uh, they're better. Can't believe Josh Jacobs has been able to sit out all of Hard Knocks. Here we go. Kansas City Chiefs, Mark Sessler. I'm going to read the blurb I offered NFL.com about who's going to win this division. The Chiefs return their entire offensive core with added weapons in Mecole Hardman and Darwin Thompson. Shortcut. Football heads. Oh, what? Erica, you're absurd. I'm like, I actually... like my world. I actually defend you before the show, and that's what I get. You're, you've silenced Greg's mic and done that to me twice. You're making no friends in this room. And I also I imagine Dan is probably IMing you. Take a look you, at my laptop and you apologize. For I don't want to see what's on your laptop. <laughs> HR might. <laughs> sorry, those are the rules, Mark. Later. Well, sorry to Chiefs fans. Well, wait, Broncos. That's it? We're not talking about the Chiefs? Uh, are we going to respect was, the rules or not? I thought, well, I thought the rules were there was only one team. I thought How about was, talk, talk about them week 17 when they win the division? That was just kind of like a... I don't give a f- what you have to say. It's time to move the f- on. It's my world. Uh, Die quickly. Do, we, do you want to finish your blurb? Not really, no. I think that I, I'm not going to try that again. Because you're right. I'd it like wasn't the rules. It. It wasn't the rules. No, go to NFL.com and read it. It's on the pick section. Their defense is going to be a lot better. There's a lot to like. I think they're the favorites. They're the the AFC favorites. Come on. The Denver Broncos, Chris Wessling. (laughs) Sorry, Chiefs fans. There was an article this week uh, by John Keim of ESPN.com. Keim, Bob. A Redskins beat writer interviewed 
Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, and Matt LaFleur, who were on the old Shanahan coaching staff. And he asked all three of them, who's the toughest defensive coordinator to prepare against? And they all said Vic Fangio. Every single one of them, immediately, Vic Fangio is the toughest. And you look at Bradley Chubb and Von Miller, who were already the most productive sack duo last year. Chubb, I mean, it's reasonable to expect he's going to be even better this year. Shelby Harris, a guy who I loved last year, made big play after big play. To me, looks like he can be an Akeem Hicks type of guy under Fangio. Maybe Justin Simmons, their safety, who's a playmaker, can be an Eddie Jackson type of guy. If Peyton Manning can go to the Super Bowl washed up with a great Denver Broncos Uh-oh. defense. Uh-oh. Oh, no, he did. Why can't Joe Flacco go to the playoffs? Why can't Joe Flacco go to the playoffs with this defense? He did it. Who's the... Why couldn't this not be the early season surprise in the NFL? I'm with you. I think think if you want to make an argument that the Colts fall down a step, that there's teams that are knocking on the door to take a team out in the AFC in the wildcard race, Denver fits the bill. There aren't a lot. There's a lot to like on defense. It fits the mold of how they got there last time. Yeah, I think their floor is a little higher to your point than people think. Chubb and Miller is could be an absolutely insane. Chubb got a couple votes for defensive player of the year in our just because of how good he's looked in the preseason. That that alone with Fangio, forget it. Well, if you remember when everybody was going nuts about Jimmy Garoppolo in the preseason game, going zero for six with no yards, nobody noticed that it was the Broncos that were absolutely wreaking havoc with Chubb leading the way, uh, causing two turnovers. Yeah, and factor in Fascio and all their skill talent. Hmm. I, you know, the offense. If you want to believe in Joe Flacco, that's one thing, uh, and I suggest you don't. But the defense, do not doubt. I don't know if I'd say all their skill talent, but they okay. Finally, close it out, Greg. The Los Angeles Superchargers. Prove me wrong, Philip Rivers. You know, you've been proving people wrong. You've been overcoming a bad running game and offensive line for almost your entire career. Uh, I until, played with Ladanian Tomlinson until last year. Uh, they had a, a below, <laughs> literally below average for a decade straight after after Tomlinson. Ryan Matthews retired. not happy uh, with you right now. No. Oof. Uh, yeah, you got what, who is it? Trent Scott, Trevor Scott at left tackle. You got Sam Teddy at right tackle. It it looks it looks like a disaster. You're playing eight games essentially on the road. Everyone, Uh-oh. I've been on their corner forever, and I feel, I feel like I'm giving up. But Philip Rivers is just such a such a joy to watch that he's proven people wrong throughout his career. Like he's overcome a lot. I think this is going to be like another one. I think he's feeling that weight on his back. Mm-hmm. Prove me wrong, because I this looks like a team where the the bottom could fall out, and you can go from twelve and four to seven and nine, something. Like I feel that. like you've somehow made both arguments there. Yeah, where do you where are you coming down on this? I'm I I want him to prove me wrong, but I th- I think this is a team set to fall. Yeah. You hear you hear coaches talk about Philip Rivers as a absolute mastermind when it comes to pass protection, and meeting with the offensive lineman for hours each week to sort it all out, and he's great at the line of scrimmage. But we've seen Philip Rivers have seasons ruined by bad offensive lines and and for that team, including the end of the most promising season he had in almost a decade. I mean they. Their season was ended. They were miserably, miserable offensively. In that game against Lamar Jackson, they didn't have any more yards than the Ravens. And they, they were terrible against the Patriots. And, and would you be shocked if this was a top seven defense, though? No, no not at the all. It's a really talented deep. team. It's, a really ta- it's still a talented team, so they have a chance. It's just that's sort of their Achilles. They got um, run over on defense in their most recent pre- preseason game. Um, I don't know what to take out of that. But also, when is Derwin James coming back? 
three to not four for months. A, not for a see after the year potentially it's mm. it could be right up might against. be Thanksgiving right you got you have a nice cornerback group Casey Hayward Desmond King uh, you know you've got a great pair of pass rushers but I really think the whole you don't have a home field thing and you're kind of this second second class team right now it's a drag all right there you go. We just went around the NFL in 63 minutes. Mark, I really think we should hear the Chiefs. I mean, they're a favorite. Is it? I Ricky, guess it was 62. Can we have minutes. something inspirational um, to play? I just, I don't. As long as uh-huh. I'm not going to get, you're going to blow me up. I can feel it. I'm going to try. Don't blow him okay. up because he's going to lose it if you blow him up. The Chiefs return their entire offensive core with added weapons in Mecole Hardman and Darwin Thompson. Football heads close to the team believe Patrick Mahomes has grown even more comfortable in the offense even more comfortable. Fill my belly with bath salts and I'll pick someone else to win the West. (laughs) Somehow that snuck on NFL.com along with like Brian Baldinger's very serious paragraph about another team. I don't know. It's my world. Hey, Erica has now, with her little ditty, eaten up nine and a half minutes of our 63 minutes around the league. <laughs> there we go. I, I like that little. Stan Hansen signing gotcha. off for Here we go. Mark Sessler, the quiet storm, the mailman, the old boss, and Ricky Hollywood uh, behind the glass. Sandwich Props Friday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.